podcast, Biblical Question. We're excited you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that Christ would be glorified and you as our listener would be edified. We encourage you, please, to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. And there you can find out more information about us. There's a prayer request page there. You can find links to our social media account. And you can submit questions about the Bible to us. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to answer some questions that came in from about two listeners. And we're glad and, and happy to try to answer them. We uh, encourage you to please uh, have a Bible and follow along. If you do not have a Bible, you can go to our webpage and click on the weekly or the daily verse section there. And it will take you to a webpage where you can follow along. And that is free. I know many people around the world wish they had Bibles. And uh, we're trying to figure out ways to help that. We have a a mission that we're trying to do in the Philippines to, to buy them some Bibles. They're desperately crying and asking for them. And if you'd like to help with that, uh, you can contact us uh, or make a, uh, a donation through our uh, webpage. We have a uh, PayPal account set up for that. So again, please uh, tell your friends and family about us if you like this podcast and are encouraged by it. We get lots of positive feedback and emails, and we are grateful for that, and we thank God for that as well. The uh, first question comes and says, uh, we were invited to a friend's church. The preacher was not a very polished speaker. How do we know he was inspired? Kind of an interesting question. And so I'm going to do my best to try to answer it. I want to thank you for the question. And so, again, if you have a Bible, please open it and follow along. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 4 here in just a moment. I have to be honest with you, though. I'm not really completely sure what you mean by inspired in the terms of speaking. In our world today, Christians, sadly, especially in the Western world, uh, they seem to think that preachers, they they, they got to sound like and look like and smile like and dress like the preachers on television. Because if he does not uh, sound like this, it's a, it's a second-class uh, type show. Uh, he's not being entertaining enough. He's probably uneducated, and he's not worth listening to. And I've heard those kind of statements floating around at work about different churches that folks have gone to. I know there's a lot of churches in my area that give a lot of entertainment. You walk in, there's a lot of, I don't know, disco lights. I believe that's what they are with uh smoking machines and coffee and donuts and everything is pretty relaxed not against coffee i thoroughly enjoy coffee and i've ate one too many donuts in my life but we have a place that we really need to go and worship not just to be entertained again we we in the church we have strongly been influenced by the culture around us. Whether we want to admit it or not, that is just true. And it is something that we really need to figure out how to shake loose. And on this podcast, I, 
I've had a couple of people make statements very similar to this, that I, I don't sound like uh, I have a lot of whistles and bells and all the fancy music coming in and out and the advertisements. And that's not my purpose. My purpose simply is to give you a basic message to encourage you to go deeper and study uh, more, help you find out who Christ is and so on. I'm not about entertaining you. I'm not politically correct. And that's another issue within the church that probably has nothing to do with this question. Just me kind of rambling on. We should be influencing the world around us. If Christians truly stood up and made their voice heard, especially in the United States, and they went to vote, uh, they wrote letters to the editor and whatnot, we could really, truly influence our culture for the better without being forceful of everybody has to turn or burn. But we could stand up and say, we want this type of society. But you turn on the television. Uh, we were at some folks' house here a couple weeks ago. And they had more channels on their television that you could shake a stick at. I mean, they, in other words, for those who don't know my satire, they had a lot of channels. And they were just watching Christian-based television-type channels. And I lost count of how many claimed to be Christian-type uh, stations. Uh, there were some with movies, some with news, and a lot of preaching, and uh, I don't know what else was going on. Anyway, so... You know, if you're going to your local congregation expecting to see all the glitter and the lights and the pretty smiles and a really big show, I mean, that's what Ed Sullivan for. He introduced Elvis Presley. I have a really big show tonight. And so we have to start asking ourselves, honestly, why are we going to church services? If it's to be entertained... Perhaps we really honestly need to rethink what worshiping God is really all about. Worship is not about entertainment. I think I probably made that pretty clear. It's not a social club uh, where we go and just have a good time and drink coffee and eat donuts. I'm not against any of those. I already said that. I'm not against fellowshipping or visiting with other brothers and sisters. I'm not against that. Uh, Welcoming visitors probably should be a good thing. I know a lot of churches really fall flat on their feet with this. But the thing I'm trying to make a point here is this fellowshipping idea, drinking coffee, eating donuts. We can do that any time of the day or the week. The sad part is we don't go to each other's homes. Uh, I know a lot of us have different work schedules and whatnot, but not everybody. And so we need honestly, to be in each other's homes and praying for one another and encouraging one another. And this is not just a Sunday thing is what I'm trying to say. There, back Kind of back to the question here, uh, there are a couple of famous people in the Bible, and God used those uh, people. There's these two men we're going to talk about. And they, they did not have the best speech or polished, as you stated it, and let's look at these men. Uh, you should already have your Bible open. Uh, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. The first one is going to be Moses. Here we have Exodus 4, 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, 
Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow in speech and slow in tongue. So if you notice here what Moses is saying to God is, I'm not a good public speaker. Perhaps he's not polished or eloquent in his speech is the word that's used here. Um, I'm sure he did some public speaking, being in the house of Pharaoh, growing up in the house of Pharaoh. And I, I'm sure that was something happened on the way that uh, made him kind of nervous about doing that. But if you notice here in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, Acts 7, verse 22, uh, Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians. He was a man of power in words and deeds. So Stephen here makes a point that Moses actually was a pretty good speaker. And so there seems to be a conflict, even though I don't believe that there is. On the surface, uh, there could be one. So going back to Moses and God's conversation, why uh, was Moses trying to get out of speaking for God? Or did Moses really have a struggle with public speaking? Uh, you know, most people do not like to get in front. When I was a kid, you know, we all had to give a, an oral book report. and Nobody wanted to stand up in front of the class. They were afraid they are going to get laughed out of the room. And so, but I know there's people even at work. They really don't want to do anything with public speaking. They don't like doing interviews. They're just nervous about all of that. And so, did Moses have some reason that he tells God he really doesn't want to speak with Pharaoh? And the Jewish people. Uh, some problems may have in the back of his mind, he really doesn't want to return to Egypt. Uh, maybe he was afraid, you know, he fled Egypt after murdering a man, another Egyptian. And so perhaps he doesn't want to go back and face that. But God. In this conversation, really, if you study this really close, God gets kind of upset with Moses. And finally, God kind of says, okay, in Exodus 4.14, uh, you can have your brother Aaron, allow Aaron, who speaks very well publicly. And God knows that he's done this. So I know some people believe that Moses is stuttered, but the Bible never uses that word or really points that out clearly. And then we have the Apostle Paul. He does not seem to be a, uh, a polished speaker himself. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, and this is Paul writing, he says, I do not want to appear to be frightening uh, you with my letters. Okay, so apparently he's said some things that really have scared these folks. But notice here, the rest of this, uh, that was verse 9. Verse 10, For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak. <laughs> Notice this. And his speech is of no account. So something that's going on in the Corinth church, culture, whatever, uh, Paul is not impressing them with his uh, words, his speech, his public speaking abilities. Although I know Paul would give very many public speeches. I mean, one on Mars Hill comes to mind as a very famous uh, sermon that he would do. And that would be in front of some very uh, educated leadership-type people, very prominent people. 
Notice here in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 6, Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge, indeed. In every way we have to make this plain to you all things. And so, uh, for if I am unskilled in speaking. Notice the first part of that verse. But he goes on to say, I, I'm not an idiot. I, I am not so in knowledge. And so, again, this is uh, the Corinth church complaining about something that uh, Paul's not speaking well or whatever. As we can see, these two men were recorded in, in the Bible as not being polished in their speech. And most would agree that these men were pillars uh, of the Bible in their day and time. And each of them wrote books of the Bible. Paul would write 13. Uh, I know some people will say 14, but there is no evidence, I don't think, um, for the book of Hebrews, because Paul signs his name to all the others. Uh, that's another day for another time. And then Moses is credited to writing the first five books of the Bible. And so I, I want to add this here as a closing thought on this question, and we'll move on to the next question. If the preacher that you went to visit at that church, if he was preaching from the Bible, and you were able to follow along in your Bible, his message was supported by the Bible, and he was reading and using the inspired word. Okay? So... He personally may not have been inspired, but the Word of God clearly is inspired. And if you don't believe that, we, as a Christian, we need to start all over. If we don't believe the entire Word of God is the inspired Word of God, we have problems. And that could be some of the reason the churches are the mess that they're in. I personally don't want to be like anyone on television. I just want to be myself. I want to let the Word of God speak through me. And I would not uh, place being polished as with being inspired. Uh, in my history of ministry, working with uh, deaf people, hard of hearing people, there's the, we use the word Pharaoh just recently. There is no sign in American Sign Language for actually Pharaoh. He signed it as a king. And when the deaf will read Pharaoh, they don't know, unless they've studied, they don't know what that word means. And so uh, you have to understand that uh, you can use fancy words and be big Greek words and all that. And, and I know those. But I, I'm just probably like this fellow here. He's just trying to get a message across that we all can use Put it in action in our life. I, I really, honestly, I do thank you for the question, and I think that you're uh, trying to search, and I hope and pray that uh, uh, things are well with you. Uh, I know you said something about Europe, and so I'm not sure that's where you were from. But anyway, thank you for listening to our podcast. Hopefully uh, you're still listening to us. We have more and more listeners all the time. In fact, uh, we've had a big spike of listeners in Europe recently, and so I'm not sure that's because of the war in Ukraine. It's kind of interesting how people, uh, things go bad and they start looking for God. When things are good, they forget God. Our next question here is uh, 
What was the age of Mary when she gave birth to Jesus? Well, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's really the answer in a nutshell. We really don't know the age of Mary when uh, Jesus is born. According to her customs at the time, she could have been a very uh, young maiden in her early teens or shortly thereafter that. I know a lot of people uh, struggle with this idea uh, in our culture that somebody at age, you know, 14, 15, uh, just into puberty, would marry. But things and times were different than they are today in our cultures and society. And, you know, we would frown on young, young people like that getting married. But that wasn't always the case in the time of uh, Joseph and Mary. I, I know one person I, I read years ago wrote that Joseph was probably age 30 and Mary was 14. Again, there is no biblical basis for this statement. The New Testament says nothing of the age of Joseph or Mary at the time of Jesus' birth. I, I know that's just a repeat of what I just said. I'm trying to make the point. Uh, they, they say that they were at a certain age. I think this is purely, purely a guess. It may be true in those days this was a common place for young teenage girls to marry men in their late 20s or early 30s. It may be that a man was not ready to assume financial responsibility of a family until he was 30. Uh, a girl in her early teens in those days and times, I, I know that wasn't very long ago, even in our culture, a couple of generations, uh, my, a girl was taught and trained by her mother how to do all the things that she needed to do as a homemaker. I mean, cooking and cleaning, taking care of her, the children, or all that. And so, uh, and the men were taught to go out and work and, and bring home uh, the bacon so mama could fry it, basically. And all that has changed in our culture in the U.S. and many parts of the Western world. And so, uh, Women in our day and time uh, work outside of the home. Uh, I think it's because it takes two incomes to make ends meet. It, it is very difficult uh, to make ends meet. And so a lot of things have changed. And I give a lot of that credit to the Industrial Revolution. It's really hard to understand, like the Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, if you don't know what was the world was like prior to the Industrial Revolu Revolution, then uh, it's really hard to understand Proverbs 31. And so uh, many families worked, husbands and wife, they, they were bakers or whatever, um, blacksmith. They did a lot of things that were right there where the husband and wife were there. They homeschooled, as we would call it today. They taught their children how to read and write and do arithmetic, you know, that those basic things that they would need to get through life. And they taught them a trade. They, they taught their, their sons how to follow in their father, father's footsteps. And their mother would teach them about uh, raising and bearing children and cooking and sewing or whatever. And, I, and I'm not trying to uh, be a chauvinist in any way. I'm just trying to lay out what's what's happened in the past and why we are at today. And so 
I'm a very blessed man. My wife has cooked. I haven't cooked a meal ever. And she feels like that's in her uh, her job. And so it has nothing to do with the question. But again, it's just something that uh, we in our culture, uh, we try to read the Bible as though it happened today. And we need to understand that uh, and study the culture of the day. One of the biggest things I did early on in my ministry was try to study and learn Roman history. That really helped me understand a few things in Jewish culture of the day. And it really makes a difference on how you see and read and understand uh, the Bible. I want to thank you for your question. Uh, I have no Bible verse to turn to to tell you how old or young Mary was, or Joseph for that matter. I want to thank everybody for listening. I certainly appreciate the fact that you've tuned in and downloaded the podcast. We make a a sincere effort every week to bring you a biblical-based, fundamental podcast that you can use and grow your faith with. And uh, if you want to use this podcast at your church uh, Bible studies to expand it and go deeper, I know we have at least two. Uh, churches that are doing that, and I think that is really neat, and it's had nothing but positive feedback uh, from those two groups. Please tell your friends and family about us. Make sure you hit that like button and follow us so you get an alert each week when we release our podcast. I want to thank you again for listening. May God bless you, and may He have the glory.